son of a bitch. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. On this absolutely lovely Thursday, um, I will be doing a debate breakdown. Uh, I also have. I also have some non-debate related stories that we'll talk about that later on in the show. Um, but what you need to know for right now is I will be breaking down the debate. And um, boy, was it a good one. <laughs> it was a really, really good debate. I'll give you a general breakdown, and then I'll get into the specific clips. Mike Bloomberg uh, got his ass handed him on a silver platter 14 times over by virtually every single candidate on stage except Pete Buttigieg. So um, it doesn't get any better than that, man. It doesn't get any better than that. So let me give you the uh, let me give you the debate breakdown. Let's get it started. So we had a debate last night, and in my opinion, it was by far the best debate yet. I think I said that after the last debate, um, but this one was definitely better than the last one. And I think the reason why is as the election rolls on now and people are actually voting, you could start to sense and smell the desperation on a lot of the candidates. So it's getting a lot more aggressive. And I'm a fan of the aggression. I'm a fan of the upfront confrontations. I'm not a fan of like, you know, back when they started these debates at Everybody's walking on eggshells and, you know, trying to be kind and not annoy anybody. Now people are like, I got to go all in here, man. I got no, I got no, no chance unless I really, really go balls to the wall. So that's what people are doing. So um, the general breakdown, let's start with uh, the losers. Losers are, there's two, okay? The, the lesser loser is Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete, um, in my opinion, had a little bit of a, a, a sense of desperation about him. He was aggressive, but he wasn't aggressive in a way that was, like, receptive to the vibes of everybody on stage and everybody in the audience. He was aggressive in a way that, like, actively blocked out the way that his words were being perceived. And, like, there was one moment in particular where he kept pestering Bernie Sanders about um, you know, the, the whole Bernie bro smear. And he was acting like, well, Senator, why is it your followers in particular who have a, a pattern of this? And Bernie, thankfully, uh, you know, started going on the defense on this topic. And he was like, listen, you want to talk about harassment? Come talk to um, Brianna Joy Gray. Come talk to Nina Turner. And they get vicious attacks. They get racist attacks. They get sexist attacks. This is the nature of the internet, man. Don't act like it's me specifically. And Pete just kept bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up to the point where you got this vibe around where everybody's like, dog, www.shuddy.com. Let's move on here. What are you doing? So um, he just came across as awkward and a little bit desperate. And outside of that, he did his normal, you know, fake Obama routine where he talks about how, we can't have somebody representing one of the extremes like Mayor Bloomberg or Bernie Sanders being the nominee. What we need to do is pick somebody who can unite everybody, and he does his normal. He doesn't say anything. And uh, apart from that, the only other policy stuff he brought in was going after Bernie again on Medicare for All, 
which is beyond silly because you're attacking him on his strength. All the exit polls in Iowa, all the exit polls in New Hampshire basically concluded the propaganda hasn't worked. you got like 7 out of 10 in the exit polls that are like, I want Medicare for all. Not only do I want Medicare for all, I want to eliminate private health insurance. Even when you phrase the question in the way that's the least kind to Medicare for all, they still support Medicare for all. So Mayor Pete just seemed like, you know, he's using the wrong lines of attack. So I don't think he did well. He's also the only person on stage who didn't go after Bloomberg. Which brings me to my biggest loser. Mike Bloomberg got obliterated. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't like there were times where I'm watching it and I felt like I had to turn away. You know, it's like, I don't know if you guys are like this, but I'm definitely like this. I can't watch, like, extreme injuries. My mind just goes, no, no, stop. Like, when I see back in the day, uh, I think it was in WCW, the Wrestling Federation, um, Sid Vicious jumped off the top rope and tried to do a kick, and the leg just snapped. It, like, snapped sideways, the one that he was trying to land on. And um, I remember watching that live, and I was mortified. I was, like, scarred by it. And my buddy the next day was like, look at it, like, oh, you want to see this? And I was like, no, no, I don't know. Of course I don't. Why would I want to see that? Were you crazy? And, I, and there were times in the debate where I felt like that about Mike Bloomberg, where everybody on stage, minus Mayor Pete, <laughs> but everybody on stage was like, you know, gut punch, gut punch, haymaker to the face, and he's just bloodied, and he's standing there like, where am I right now? <laughs> and it was endless, and his attempts to, like, to defend himself were just so feeble and meek. (laughs) And it just, like, it was bad, dude. It was bad. They hit him on everything. They hit him on policy. They hit him on basically being a Republican. They hit him on the the non-disclosure agreements that he has with various female employees of his, because I don't know if you guys know this, but a story broke like a week or two ago, which showed that he has just as many, if not more, accusations of, like, sexual harassment than Donald Trump does. So it was just endless. It was one after the other, after the other, after the other. They they baited him into sounding like a flat Republican on stage, and he went after Bernie and basically called Bernie a communist. There were audible groans. (laughs) Everybody was like, "Uh, uh." (laughs) ugh. It it wasn't working, man. It's not it. Like, you're running. It it amazes me. He's so insular, and the billionaires are so disconnected, and the elite circles he runs in are so not indicative of the population, that I think he actually thought, like, if I just call Bernie a communist, that's going to get, you know, raccoon applause, and people are going to say, yes, somebody finally said it, yes. Because in the circles he runs in, people like it when you call Bernie Sanders a communist. But the audience was like, uh, 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 dude, so out of touch. This is what happens when you're a billionaire and you surround yourself with yes men and yes women. This is what happens. So he got, it was so bad. It was literally one of the worst debate performances I've ever seen. And even Trump has been roasting him on Twitter since, apparently he watched at least some of the debate. And he's just been tweeting nonstop, like, worst debate performance ever. (laughs) He's retweeting videos of Mike Bloomberg being, like, so short you can barely see over the podium. (laughs) I'm sorry, but Trump is like an A-plus troll, man. I don't care what you say. I know that. You know, it's fashionable in liberal circles. I'm offended at everything he says. No, I'm offended at Trump's policies. What I actually enjoy is the Twitter trolling and the messing around. I think that's hilarious. So he's been going after um, Bloomberg, and it's funny. So that's the biggest loser by far, Mayor Bloomberg, to the point where, guys, get this. Here's how you know he lost terribly. Even CNN, even CNN, 
This is a guy who's been buying the media for the past few months, propping up local media markets, $351 billion in ads. You know, CNN, they're one of the beneficiaries of that. Even on CNN, you know what they said? Gloria Borger, who's not, she's never said anything interesting in her entire life. Um, but last night she said um, the best part of Mike Bloomberg's debate is when he was quiet. Oh, <laughs> damn, Gloria. Wow. That's hilarious, and that's so true. <laughs> Everybody started laughing at him. Oh, my God. It's so, and then he's trying to do damage control, and it's like, nah, dog. Nah, dog, you're not going to get away with that. I know, like, you're used to buying what you want, but you can't, like, buy the public reaction to your terrible debate performance. So, anyway, um, now let me just talk about somebody who I think there was no change in a positive direction or a negative direction, Joe Biden. Joe Biden started out the debate actually really strong, in my opinion, really strong. Um, he was more coherent than usual. He was aggressive. He went for uh, Mayor Bloomberg's jugular. And there were some, he landed some punches on him. It was actually pretty good. It, you, got, you saw flashes of the Biden that destroyed uh, Sarah Palin and the Biden that destroyed uh, Paul Ryan. He's not all there anymore, but every now and then you get a flash. But then what happened was, as the, the night went on, he tapered off. He tapered off, and he started becoming half-asleep Joe Biden. So um, he started out good, ended really poorly, and got incoherent towards the end. But ultimately, I don't think he hurt himself or helped himself. I think he just is. And since he got, you know, whatever, fourth or fifth in Iowa and New Hampshire, um, he's Dunskis. He's Dunskis. He needed, he needed a really good debate, and he needs a really good finish in Nevada to have any chance on Super Tuesday. And it, it just ain't happening, son. It's not happening. And uh, it turns out all the warnings up front about Biden were true when, um, you know, Obama's former campaign advisor, uh, David Pluff, said about Biden, said to Biden behind closed doors, bro, do you really want to end your political career in an in a Iowa hotel room finishing like third to Bernie Sanders? And that's kind of what happened, except it was like fourth. <laughs> so, yeah, he's not, he's not doing too well. But there was ultimately no change in, you know, in, in his standing, in my opinion. Um, now we get to the winners. Winner number one. Now, this is me removing myself from my own bias here um, and trying my best to do so. I think Amy Klobuchar won in this respect. She didn't win overall. Don't get it twisted. But she won in this respect. She looks like the most viable centrist option right now. So Mayor Pete semi-imploded. Joe Biden, you know, petered off. I think of the viable centrists, of the centrists who are like, vying for that number two spot in the election, Amy Klobuchar kind of emerged a little bit because I think she's going to take some votes from Pete and I think she's going to take some votes from Biden. Now, she had one horrific moment that I'm going to talk about later on in the show um, where she kind of like tried to defend herself on not knowing who AMLO is and she did a terrible job. But outside of that, I think that she had the least bad night of the centrists and therefore she's one of the winners. Um, then another winner is, is Bernie. And the reason why Bernie won is he's by far and away the front runner now, by far and away. And when you're the front runner, your job is to fend off the attacks and then stay on message. 
And that is exactly what Bernie Sanders did. Exactly what he did. They need to come after him. They need to come after him. And they didn't really do that effectively. They, everybody spent a lot more time on Bloomberg than on Bernie. Now, I tweeted before uh, the debate that I think the stupidity of the corporatists is going to kill them here. Because I, even at this late date, I think a lot of the corporatists are going to go, no, Bloomberg is the real threat. Bernie's not the real threat. Bernie's going to you know, kind of taper out. Because they think of Bernie in the same way that the Republicans thought of Trump, where for the longest time they were like, no, no, it can't happen, right? There's no way this guy's going to win, right? That's exactly what they're doing with Bernie. Come on, he'll taper off. There's no way. He's Bernie. Come on, he's not serious. Well, they took their eye off the ball. Bernie's the front runner. He's doing really well. He's the one who's like, you know, by far and away the favorite now. But they really thought like, no, 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 the real threat is Bloomberg. So most of the time was spent on Bloomberg and attacking Bloomberg. That's exactly what I predicted, that they're still naive and don't realize, like, no, it's Bernie. (laughs) Bernie's the one. And so Bernie walked away unscathed yet again, and that's all he needed to do. So, you know, and even, guys, even a lot of corporate media is now saying, like, yeah, um, it's Bernie. I mean, think about that. When he gets those people who despise him to bend the knee, countdown, son, tick-tock. Um, And then the final winner, who I actually think had the best night. I think that Warren did better than Bernie overall. I do. Um, She was the most aggressive. She was the most on message. Uh, I think she did the most damage to Bloomberg, although Bernie did a number as well. And we're going to show both of those clips later. Warren going after Bloomberg and Bernie going after Bloomberg. Um, But I do think she had the best night. But... As my uh, friend and recording artist JoJo says, you know it's just too little too late. By the way, no, I don't actually know JoJo. (laughs) But it is. It's too little too late, man. Um, Warren Warren embodied the energy that got her into the lead in the first place. Remember that? She was briefly in the lead nationally. She was in front of Joe Biden. She was in front of Bernie Sanders. And the reason for her being in the lead was – She was playing the Me Too game with Bernie Sanders saying, hey, I'm just like this guy. But she had the added benefit of being younger and female, which in a Democratic primary is going to help you. You're going to get some points for that. So that energy got her to the number one spot, and then she immediately tanked when she hired former former Kamala staffers, former Hillary Clinton staffers, and um, started doing a different strategy. And the strategy was, let's back off of Medicare for all. Let's accuse Bernie Sanders of being a sexist. Let's, in our stump speeches, let's just harp away on the fact that I'm a woman and I would be the first woman president. They're leaning into that. Didn't work for Hillary Clinton. It's not going to work for you. And it comes across really smarmy and disingenuous. As if gender is the main reason somebody should vote for you, that's ridiculous. Should we vote for, vote for Sarah Palin over somebody like Bernie Sanders? Is that really what, if you really are leaning into gender, like this is the end-all, be-all decision, then that's, That would be your argument. That would be something you would do, and that's just silly, and I think people could see through it. But today, or last night, I should say, it looked like she didn't – she had no more cares left in the world because she knew, like, I'm either out of it or I have a 1% chance here, so I'm just going to just go all in and just really start throwing haymakers. And when she's that candidate, she's a lot more likable. She's a much stronger candidate, and she would have been a force to reckon with if she did that all along, but now she's too far back in the pack. So what I think will happen is 
Um, you know, assuming no messing with the numbers, and that messing with the numbers happened in Iowa for sure. So we don't know. There could be messing with the numbers. Nevada has a bad history with, you know, the way their caucuses turn out. We saw what happened in 2016. But you could see a Bernie Sanders victory and then, believe it or not, Warren surging in a similar way to how Amy Klobuchar surged in New Hampshire, where Amy Klobuchar doubled her numbers in the polls. She was polling at about 10% and she pulled in like 20% or maybe like 18 or 19 or something like that. So Klobuchar doubled her support in the polls because of her good debate last time. I think that you might see a little bit of that impact with Warren this time. Uh, but Warren is not pulling from Bernie. Warren actually is pulling more from the centrist. At least that, that's what the numbers show at this point. So in a weird way, this is also helping Bernie. So I think that what you're going to see is a bump from Warren. She's going to overperform what her polls were leading into Nevada. Um, and then, again, assuming no messing with the results, Bernie wins in Nevada. And um, the rest, I mean, listen, Bloomberg, you got to see a dip. There's no way he gets away from this unscathed. This is the first time he's really been introduced to the nation and not, you know, carefully crafted in a very finely tuned spliced ads. So I think Bloomberg's going to go down. I think Biden's going to coast, which is not going to help him because he's so far back. I think uh, Klobuchar maybe barely, you know, edged out Mayor Pete here, so she might maintain a relatively solid number. But listen, at the end of the day, that path is now clear for Bernie. I mean, they're all fighting amongst themselves. They're all taking votes from each other. And Bernie is just, you know, dancing into the end zone. But hey, keep your eye on the ball. Like I always say, man, we have to overwin in order to win. Have to overwin in order to win. So act like we're 10 points down, you know, pedal to the metal. But yeah, ultimately, it's looking good because there's nobody left to stop Bernie. There's nobody left. Biden gone, Bloomberg gone, everybody else fighting amongst themselves and splitting the vote with each other. I mean, again, if there was no messing with the votes, I would almost be ready to pound the gavel right this second, bro. Right this second. I would almost be ready to pound the gavel right this second. But they do mess with the votes. So let's not pound that gavel just yet, but it's looking good. Okay, next. All right, we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about um, Bernie's obliteration of Michael Bloomberg. You guys are going to love this. America's dad, Bernard Sanders, absolutely eviscerated Michael Bloomberg throughout last night's Las Vegas Democratic debate. So, um, you know, after all these debates, I rewatch it. So I get a better sense of what happened. I could give you guys a more detailed breakdown. And also I can get the exact clips I want. So what you're about to see here is awesome because it's, it's basically a compilation of all the times that Bernie Sanders humiliated oligarch Mike Bloomberg. It's glorious. Watch. Let's say, maybe want to talk about businesses. I'm the only one here that I think has ever started a business. Is that fair? Okay. What we need is, uh, I can 
tell you, in New York City, we had programs, there are mentoring programs for the young business people so they can learn how to start a business. We had programs that could get them seed capital. We had programs to get branch banking in their neighborhoods because if you don't have a branch bank there, you can't get a checking account. can't get a checking account. You can't get a loan. You can't get a loan. You can't get a mortgage. Then you don't have any wealth. But there's ways to fix this, and it doesn't take trillions of dollars. It takes us right. to focus on the problems of small business. 45 seconds, and we're going to move on. Right. 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 You know, when we talk about a corrupt political system brought by billionaires like Mr. Bloomberg, it manifests itself in a tax code in which not only is Amazon and many other major corporations, some owned by the wealthiest people in this country, not paying a nickel in taxes, we have the insane situation that billionaires today, if you can believe it, have an effective tax rate lower than the middle class. So, so they be just the tax code. Why are you complaining? Who wrote the code? You, you and your kids. You and your campaign. Contributions electing people who represent the wealthy and the powerful. Yes, those are the Democrats. Thank you. Well, and Republicans too. Okay. And George W. Right. Bush as That's well. Right. So, Senator Sanders, what did you mean that you don't think they should be doing what, what did that mean? We have a grotesque and immoral distribution of wealth and income. Mike Bloomberg owns more wealth than the bottom 125 million Americans. That's wrong. That's immoral. That should not be the case when we got a half a million people sleeping out on the street, when we have kids who cannot afford to go to college, when we have 45 million people dealing with student debt. We have enormous problems facing this country, and we cannot continue seeing a situation where in the last three years, Billionaires in this country saw an $850 billion increase in their wealth. Congratulations, Mr. Bloomberg. But the average American last year saw less than a 1% increase in his or her income. That's wrong. Mayor Bloomberg, should you exist? I can't speak for all billionaires. All I know is I've been very lucky, made a lot of money, and I'm giving it all away to make this country better. And a good chunk of it goes to the Democratic Party as well. Is it too much? Have you earned too much money? Seen amount of should you have earned that much money? Yes, I worked very hard yeah. for it, and I'm giving it away. What we need to do to deal with this grotesque level of income and wealth inequality is make sure that those people who are working, you know what, Mr. Bloomberg, wasn't you who made all that money? Maybe your workers play some role in that as well. And it is important that those workers are able to share the benefits also. When we have so many people go to work every day and they feel not good about their jobs, they feel like cogs in a machine, I want workers to be able to sit on corporate boards as well so they can have some say over what happens to their lives. Mayor Bloomberg, you own a large company. Would you support what Senator Sanders is proposing? Absolutely not. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. Tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Uh, Senator Sanders, our latest NBC News Wall Street Journal poll released yesterday, two-thirds of all voters said they were uncomfortable with a socialist candidate for president. What do you say to those voters, sir? What was the result of that poll? 
winning. Yeah, the question, question's for you. Well, the question was that I was winning, and I think by a fairly comfortable margin. Mike mentioned that. But here is the point. Let's talk about democratic socialism, not communism, Mr. Bloomberg. That's a cheap shot. Let's talk about democratic. Let's talk about what goes on in countries like Denmark, where Pete correctly pointed out they have a much higher quality of life in many respects than we do. What are we talking about? We are living in many ways in a socialist society right now. Problem is, as Dr. Martin Luther King reminded us, we have socialism for the very rich, rugged individualism for the poor. To build, link, to build luxury condominiums, that's socialism for the rich. But when Walmart, we have to subsidize Walmart's workers who are on Medicaid and food stamps because the wealthiest family in America pays starvation wages, that's socialism for the rich. I believe in democratic socialism okay. for working people, not billionaires, health care for all, educational opportunity for all. Listen, bro, Bloomberg reeks of entitlement in every exchange he had there. He has this look on his face, and Cenk Uger pointed this out yesterday, of, did you know I can fire you? And he has his moments where he realizes, like, oh, wait, no, I can't. This is the first time I've ever engaged with people in conversation where I don't have that to hold over their head. And he's, he's in over his head. I mean, this, you know what this reminds me of? Yes, he bought his way on stage. But at the same time, you're not battle-tested, bro. I mean, this is like a boxer for their first match fighting world champ Deontay Wilder. It's like, dog, dog, you needed to have like at least 10 fights to work your way up to the seasoned veterans on the debate stage. Even the candidates I don't like. They've been in, what is it, seven, eight, nine debates so far? So they've been training. They've been tra- it's like we're trying to run a marathon without training beforehand. You're going to gas out really quickly. And Bloomberg just hopped on the stage because he bought his way on. By the way, nobody brought that up, which kind of upset me. But he buys his way on the stage, and then it's just so clear he's not ready for prime time. He's getting obliterated by every, even Joe Biden's half asleep 24-7, and he obliterated him. We'll get to that clip later on. Uh, I mean, like, the attack that he used at the end there, the three houses. Bro, you're in a Democratic primary. You think, like, Fox News far-right talking points are going to work in a Democratic primary? Listen, Bernie Sanders has never proposed a bill, the, uh, this is my new piece of legislation, the you can't have more than one domicile act. 
domicile is that the right word? I feel like that's a that's a word for house that hasn't been used since like 1978. <laughs> you can only have one place to live. Uh, so yes, this is my new bill. He never proposed that. You want to know why? Because that's silly. And he just explained it. Hey, I, I I'm a senator, so I have to live in Washington D.C. That's one. I also live in Vermont, that's two. And he says the other one is the summer one. And by the way, there were articles about this a while ago. I think that that one was also just inherited from Jane's parents when they passed away. And if you've seen this thing, guys, it's like a little shack. The thing is like, you know, you would think a senator, oh my God, a senator, he probably has like, you know, a 6,000 square foot home. It's like a thousand square feet. It's, a, it's like a cabin so it's, the attack is stupid up front, but then when you dive into the details, it looks even sillier because Bernie Sanders is one of the poorest members of the Senate, and he's been in the Senate since 1872. So what, like, what, do, you, what do you think you're doing here? What do you think that argument does? It makes, oh, uh, uh, hypocrisy burned him. Uh, see, now I don't want everybody in the country to have health care because Bernie has three houses. Nobody's doing that, man. Like, who, who's your audience for a line like that? It's not the audience that's there. There were multiple times in the back and forth where the audience, and the audience is not even, like, far lefties. I'm sure a lot of people in the audience are, like, DNC people. But Bloomberg attacks Bernie, and they're like, uh-uh. They're groans. This is what happens when you surround yourself with yes-men and yes-women, as Bloomberg has done. Like, everything he's ever said is people, oh, good sir, that is an amazing thing, wonderful thing you just said. I believe you're a super genius. He's got, like, the Kanye effect going on. And so he goes out there, and he expects everybody to be like, oh, Michael Bloomberg, you're such a genius. And people are like, eh. why would you say something so dumb, son? The audience is not in favor of it. Everybody on stage, minus Mayor Pete, is like, what are you saying? Man... <laughs> It was awesome that he got his bubble burst that bad. Um, all right, so let's go through more of this here. From the top, they argued on the tax code. Um, and I love what Bernie says there. Because as they're going back and forth, uh, Bloomberg is like, why are you complaining? You wrote the tax code. And Bernie's like, me? Uh, no, excuse me. You bought the tax code. You and other billionaires and corporations gave money to politicians, and then you guys cut those backroom deals where, guess what? The tax code is basically rigged in favor of you and against working people. And he brings up the fact that just came out recently, which is, um, for the first time in history, the rich actually do pay an effective lower tax rate, income tax rate, than, um, than regular people, than working people. So if we have a flat tax. It's actually not even a flat tax. It's like a regressive tax. So Bernie brings that up. And you, you wonder why the politicians made the tax code like that. Because of corruption. Because of corruption. Because they're representing the interests of corporations and the rich, also known as you, Mike Bloomberg. So Bernie's 100% right. And Bloomberg, see, this is what I mean. He's not ready for prime time. He seemed like genuinely shocked that there was a counterargument to what he said. He thought like he would say, you wrote the tax code and that's it. And that would be the end of the conversation. He's like, no, you know exactly what Bernie's saying. Or you should know what Bernie's saying. If you had functioning brain cells, you would know what Bernie's saying. Yes, the, the tax code is rigged because it's bought by special interests. You buy the politicians who then rig the rules in your favor. Um, and then Bernie, I love, the, I love the jab where he's like, because um, Bloomberg says, yeah, most of those people I'm supporting are Democrats. And Bernie's like, 
Well, actually, no, plenty of Republicans, too, including George W. Bush. Oh, oh, damn, son. Oh, are you bleeding? I think you're bleeding. Um, then uh, Bernie goes on to tie Bloomberg's wealth into homelessness and student debt. I love that. He's painting a picture of like, yeah, you, people say, oh, a rising tide lifts all boats. Actually, no, there's a finite amount of wealth in the system, and it has to be divvied up in some way. And when you have a system where, like the Walton family, for example, six people have more wealth than the bottom 50% of America combined, I think that's a little bit lopsided and stupid, don't you? And then Bernie ties it into, bro, you're worth $64 billion? That's what you're worth, and we got 500,000 homeless people on the streets, about 60,000 homeless veterans on the streets. We got a student loan debt crisis, a crisis where People are up to their eyeballs in student loan debt, and they can't pay it off. You can't file for bankruptcy on it. We're holding back an entire generation. Don't act like your wealth has nothing to do with that. Of course it does. And we need a better uh, distribution of wealth throughout the country. Bernie schools them on that. Um, and then when he says, when Bloomberg says, a good chunk of my money goes to the Democratic Party, I want you to understand what he's doing there. He's not just stating a fact. What he's saying is, it's an implicit threat. If you If you don't act nicer to me, maybe I won't give that money. But you're, you're doing the exact thing that he's accusing you of doing. Do you not see that? Like, that's exactly the problem. Bro, I don't want your money. I don't want your money. I don't want your money because it comes with strings attached. You know, you're the guy who's taken a right-wing position on every prominent issue. You compared free health care to, to free ponies. You blocked a minimum wage increase in New York City. When you give money to politicians, there are strings attached to it. That's the problem. Let's trade through small dollar donations. Let's be a party of the people. But he's threatening. He's doing the same thing that Bernie's accusing him of doing. Like, yeah, the problem is you control politics because you're so wealthy. And he's like, he does the implicit threat. A good chunk of my money goes to the Democratic Party. Yes, and that's the problem. That's the problem, Mike. He thinks like, oh, I'll just bully everybody into not attacking me because then I'll cut off the money if you keep coming after me like this. Man, so entitled. Um, and then the part where I was like, okay, pound the gavel. Mike Bloomberg is done. I mean, he was done earlier on in the debate, too, and we'll get to Warren obliterating him as well. But the, the part where he talks, where he's asked, like, hey, man, like, do you, think, do you think really you deserve all that money? And his response is basically, yes, I earned my money. I worked hard for it. And that's when I was like, nope. He's not going anywhere. He's done. He's absolutely done. Because even, even your centrist Democrats are going to listen to that and be like, you did not work over 63 billion times harder than a single mom in Cleveland who works three jobs and can barely pay the light bill. See, Michael Bloomberg... Because he's winning in this current system, he's rationalized his position by convincing himself, no, we live in a meritocracy. This is a meritocracy. And in this system, the harder you work, the further you go. He's convinced himself of this. He has, which is why he answered the way he answered. So he thinks, no, 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 I have all this money because I'm a super genius and I just work that much harder than everybody else. He really thinks that's true. And that is, of course, the silliest thing I've ever heard. If you think this is a meritocracy that we live in now, I have a bridge to sell you. Some of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life, I've told this story before, were living at or below the poverty line. 
somebody I knew from high school, Kevin. He worked at least two jobs, sometimes three. And, uh, you know, he could barely pay the bills, but he would work all the time, all day, every day, nonstop. And there are plenty of people, you know, who get wealthy and do dicky-dicky-zacks. Plenty of people. The kids of billionaires where the money's just passed down. Even when you have the inheritance tax, they still get a preposterous amount of money and a huge lead on everybody else. So this isn't, guys, this isn't, this isn't a 100-yard dash where everybody starts on the zero-yard line and then the gun gets fired in there and then you all run at the same time. Michael Bloomberg was born on like the 85-yard line. And he thinks, no, 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 this wasn't even raced the entire time and this is just purely a meritocracy. That's all it is. And then Bernie hit him with the elbow from the top rope when he said, actually, man, maybe it's your workers who really earn that money. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Damn. Listen, that line is a way of basically like boiling down leftist philosophy into one little soundbite. That's what that is. Like, you know, you think because you are the capitalist, you have the capital, you think like, I earned this. I worked hard. I'm a super genius. That's why I have all this. And Bernie's like, actually, you're kind of exploiting the labor of your workers. Oh, (laughs) oh, snap, son. No, you didn't. (laughs) So I love that from Bernie because that's 100% correct. See, this is the way he thinks. He's like, no, 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 it's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. I'm a super genius and I work harder than everybody else. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. And the workers are not valued in accordance with their productivity. They're just not. And they should be. Um, And then, listen, again, Bernie brings up worker-owned co-ops. He's like, yeah, I think we should give workers more of a say in their lives. And what's Bloomberg's response? I think this is helping Trump. No, it's not. No, it's not. You just have no substantive rebuttal to what he just said. And you don't have a good reason why workers shouldn't be more in control of their lives. They're just going to deflect and say, but Trump, my head. Um, And then Bloomberg goes on to call Bernie a communist. Again, totally loses the audience, and the audience is probably packed full of, uh, you know, DNC people. just doesn't work, man. I know this works in your little elite circle. It's not going to work against Bernie. Bernie's crystal clear. Bernie fires back and talks about how, no, that was a cheap shot, and... um, What I'm talking about is Denmark, not the Soviet Union, not Venezuela, not Cuba. I'm talking about social democracy. I'm talking about the Scandinavian region. I'm talking about basic things being taken off the table. Um, Bernie absolutely crushed him on that. So let me get this straight. Michael Bloomberg is supposed to be a super genius, but he doesn't even know the basic definition difference between social democracy and uh, communism. I see this all the time, man. There, I, like, I don't know if there's a single billionaire on the planet that doesn't know the dif- that knows the difference between social democracy and communism. They just equate everything that's actually on the left and say it's all the same thing and it's all authoritarian, which is hilarious because Michael Bloomberg is an authoritarian. Mr. Ban big gulps and uh, ban guns and try to con- micromanage your personal life in a thousand different ways. Um, and I like when Bernie was asked the question, again, for the 912th time about the label socialist, and he goes, and who was winning in that poll that you're citing? Because <laughs> it's true. Like, it doesn't matter that, oh, you know, people feel uncomfortable about voting for a socialist. And also, by the way, Bernie Sanders is crushing the competition. 
So again, what does that show you? How many times have I made this point on air, guys? Regular people don't know labels. They just don't know them. They don't know them. So since regular people don't know labels, why would you use that as evidence of the end-all, be-all in terms of the direction they want the country to go in? No, when Bernie explains what he's in favor of, people go, I like that. You can call it whatever the hell you want to call it, but people like it. So, you know, and how many times are they going to ask that question? They ask that question every single debate. Oh, socialist, 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 socialist. And Bernie is still leading, and his lead is growing. So maybe your strategy to take down Bernie is not working very well. Uh, and then finally, Bernie brings up corporate socialism and says, hey, listen, man, Trump's a socialist too, but the kind of socialist Trump is is for the rich. Corporate socialism, a.k.a. corporatism, is when all this tax money goes in quantitative easing to the big financial institutions on Wall Street. You know, we keep giving a subsidy every single year to ExxonMobil as they destroy the planet. Um, we give giant tax breaks to multinational corporations, and they pay, a, you know, an effectively lower tax rate than the working class. Like, this is his point. His point is, I'm in favor of helping working people. Trump and the Republicans and you, Mr. Bloomberg, are in favor of helping the wealthy and the corporations. So don't hit me with this, you know, label scaremongering. My policies help regular people. Yours don't. And listen, I love that line. I love that framing. I love it when he flips it on them. And they accuse him like, oh, my God, you're a socialist. And he's like, well, you're a corporate socialist. You believe in socialism for the rich and corporations. So you are, too. You're just a different kind and a much worse kind. I love that framing. I love when he flips it on him. Um, I think he does a wonderful job here. So Michael Bloomberg, rest in peace. You were just absolutely humiliated by Bernie Sanders. All right, next. Now we're going to go to, um, let's do all the humiliations of Bloomberg up front. Elizabeth Warren got in on the fun of beating up Michael Bloomberg at the debate. And um, honestly, this was like within the first, I don't know, five minutes of the debate. It was the first time she spoke. And she Semi knocked him out with one punch here. Now, the night went on, and Biden got in and destroyed Bloomberg, and Bernie repeatedly destroyed Bloomberg. Everybody except Pete basically destroyed Bloomberg. But this was when we knew the fun was beginning, because Liz comes in, and she's got, you know, like a bat with barbed wire wrapped around it, and look at what she does to him. chance of uh, the senator beating President Trump. You don't start out by saying, uh, I've got 160 million people, I'm going to take away the insurance plan that they love. It's just not a ways that you go and start building the coalition that the Sanders uh, camp thinks that they can do. I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. And if he goes and is the candidate, we will have Donald Trump for another four years and we can't stand that. So I'd I like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-based lesbians. And 
no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. Democrats are not going to win. If we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is, but understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. This country has worked for the rich for a long time and left everyone else in the dirt. It is time to have a president who will be on the side of working families and be willing to get out there and fight for them. That is why I am in this race, and that is how I will beat Donald Trump. Okay, well, you're too far back to do that. Um, You're out of it. There's no path for you. But aside from that last line, damn. The funny thing is, when she brought up his uh, quotes about horse-faced lesbians, (laughs) or whatever it was, I actually thought, like, my mind went down the path she was trying to get it to go down. My mind was like, oh, so she's going to, to attack Bloomberg, she's going to bring up Donald Trump? That's sort of weak. But then she's like, I, no, he said that. I was like, oh, he did? <laughs> so that worked. What she did there worked perfectly. Um, yeah, total destruction, man. Again, this was the first thing she said. And to, oh, my God, Bloomberg, fear-mongering. I don't think there's any way Bernie would beat Donald Trump. My dude, you wouldn't even be on stage if you didn't buy your way on there. You gave $300 to the DNC, and they changed the debate rules to get you on there. You gave $800,000 to the Democratic Grassroots Victory Fund, which is an amalgamation of the state Democratic parties. You've been given more donations individually to each state party. Who are you kidding, bro? You spent $351 million in ads and basically bought yourself 10 to 13% in the polls, and that's why you're on stage. The sense of entitlement, it's unbelievable. Like, what do you think? Nobody's looking at what you do? You shouldn't even be there. Talking about Bernie Sanders, there's no way this guy's going to win. And then what does he do? Same disingenuous Republican framing. Why does Bernie Sanders want to take away people's health care? He wants to give everybody health care. Medicare for all covers everybody, at, and it's free at the point of service, full stop. Everything is covered, free at the point of service. What part of that are you not getting? But they get it. They're just lying about it. See, this is, and I tweeted this last night, and it really is stunning to me. I don't think I've seen a single attack yet from other candidates in this election that accurately characterizes Bernie Sanders' beliefs. So what they do is they lie about him up front, they smear him, they strawman him, and then they go on to explain what their position is. Like, you do realize that if you were a strong candidate, you wouldn't have to smear him. You would just say, hey, here's what Bernie believes, here, here are his beliefs, and I'm accurately going to categorize them and characterize them. And then you move on and say, here's why I disagree with it, and it's a genuine disagreement. I simply don't agree. I'm more centrist. Here's why the, the centrist position is preferable. Not a single one has done that. There's never been an honest disagreement every time, and Mayor Pete did this repeatedly throughout the night, too. It's, I'm going to lie and tell you what I think you believe, even though it's wrong, and then I'm going to attack that position I just made up. Well, then you're a clown, and you're a fool, and you got nothing. You got Dickie McGee's axe on him, which is why, um, what did they do? They spent like at least 10 minutes on the Bernie bro nonsense. So uh, I think Warren did a wonderful job there. I said this earlier, but 
I actually think she had the best night. I think she won the debate. But I also happen to know it's too little too late for her. So since it's too little too late, all she's doing, and she's not taking from Bernie's people, just so everybody knows. The numbers show she's really taking from the other centrists up there. So, you know, hey, man, go ahead. Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Mayor Pete, Joe Biden, and Mike Bloomberg, go ahead. You guys fight amongst yourselves and split that vote from now until the cows come home, and Bernie will prance right through. So, but I do think she had a very good night, and I do think that she, apart from like two or three shots at Bernie, most of the night she was, again, she went Elizabeth Warren classic, which is I'm not going to listen to the Hillary and Kamala advisors and just talk about my gender all night. I'm going to go populist, old school. And so she did. She tried to be like Bernie, except now younger and female. So um, I, think, uh, I think she won the debate, but it's just too little too late. If she had acted like this all along, she would have been a force to be reckoned with, man. But now what she's doing, I call it the Chris Christie. Because Chris Christie did this in uh, 2016 in the Republican primary. He went out guns blazing, and he took down Marco Rubio with him. And it was a beautiful thing to see, man. He took down Marco Rubio, called, you know, he was the glitchy Marco bot, and he said, why are you repeating the same thing over and over? Like, say something original. Because Marco kept saying, we have to dispel with this notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he said it like four times, and he melted down. And he imploded after Chris Christie pointed it out. Now, Liz is doing a similar thing to Chris Christie. She's too far back, she's too far gone, but she's like, hey, you know what? Locked and loaded, bitch. Here I go. And she's just, she's just going out in a blaze of glory. So anyway, that was wonderful. And there's nothing I love more than watching Michael Bloomberg get humiliated. Okay, next. All right, let me do one more, and then we'll take a break, but it is Joe Biden now. Joe Biden obliterating Bloomberg. When I tell you guys that Michael Bloomberg had a bad night last night in the debate, I mean it. It was bad. (laughs) It was bad, bro. Um, He was just embarrassed. Okay, so what I'm going to show you here is Even Joe Biden got in on the fun. And this wasn't a close one. This isn't 50-50. This isn't up in the air. This is like, dog, you're getting bodied by Joe Biden. your policing policy as mayor. Quote, we put all the cops in the minority neighborhoods, and you explain that is, quote, because that's where all the crime is. You went on to say, and the way you should get the guns out of the kids' hands is to throw them against the wall and frisk them. You've apologized for that policy, but what does that kind of language say about how you view people of color or people in minority neighborhoods? Well, if I go back and look at my time in office, the one thing that I'm um, and really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out um, with stop and frisk. When I got into office, there were 650 murders a year in New York City. 
And I thought that my first responsibility was to give people the right to live. That's the basic right of everything. And we started, a, we adopted a policy which had been in place, uh, the policy that all big uh, police departments use of stop and frisk. What happened, however, was it got out of control. And when we discovered, I discovered that we were doing many, many, too many stop and frisks, we cut 95% of it out. And I sat down with a bunch of uh, African-American clergy and business people to talk about this, to try to learn. I've talked to a number of kids who've been stopped. And uh, I'm trying to, was trying to understand how we change our policies so we can keep the city safe because the crime rate did go from 650, 50% down to 300. And we have to keep the lid on crime but we cannot go out and stop people indiscriminately. Right. Mayor, Mayor thank you. Let me go to Vice President Biden. Do you want to respond to that? Yes, let's get something straight. The reason the stop and frisk change is because Barack Obama sent moderators to see what was going on. When we sent them there to say this practice has to stop, the mayor thought it was a terrible idea we send them there. A terrible idea. Let's get the facts straight. Let's get the order straight. And it's not whether he apologized or not. It's the policy. The policy was abhorrent. And it was, in fact, a violation of every right people have. And we are the ones. By our administration, sent, sent in people to monitor it. And, the, and at the very time, the, the mayor argued against that. This idea that he figured out it was a bad idea. He figured out it was a bad idea after we sent in monitors and said it must stop. Even then, he continued the policy. All right, uh, Mayor, would you like to make a quick response to that? Yes, I would. Um, I've sat, I've apologized, I've asked for forgiveness, but the bottom line is that we stop too many people, but the policy, we stop too many people, and we've got to make sure that we do something about criminal justice in this country. You knew you were going to get a question about stop and frisk, and that's the best you could come up with. That's all you got. Now, by the way, um, he was lying about a lot of that, so let me break that down for you. He said, oh, when I saw how many were happening, we cut 95% of it. No. Wrong. A court case said, hey, this is unconstitutional, and you have to stop it. He, didn't, he makes it seem like, oh, I had a change of horror, and then I decided, whoa, this is actually not a good policy. Let me change it. No, you were forced to because of the courts. The court system said that's unconstitutional. And he also lies about the, the crime rate there. He says, he talks about how the crime rate actually, crime rate actually went down. And he's trying to portray it like, well, see, that's why it was a difficult thing is because it was actually kind of working. Guys, that's not true. When stop and frisk was ended, crime dropped even more. So the idea that it was the thing preventing crime is just not accurate. And then we've gone over the statistics before. I'm not going to go through all of them again right now. But 99.9% .9 of the time, it's ineffective. 0.1% of the time, they get people for a violent crime. So that means 99.9% .9 of the time, you're stopping innocent people or you're knocking them on something that shouldn't even be a crime, like having marijuana or whatever. Like, you're just harassing poor people of color in the city. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. And he even said in 2015, actually, if anything, it's, we disproportionately stop white people. 
yeah, I'm sure, the people on Wall Street who have cocaine in their pocket, they feel really harassed by the cops as they're stopping and frisking them every day. That's just not happening, bro. Man, listen, terrible answer, terrible answer. And Joe Biden bodied you, bro. Listen, you know, I don't like to say this out loud because it feels wrong, but at the same time, it's accurate, so you kind of want to say it, but Biden's got half his brain tied behind his back right now. He, he's not as sharp as he was. Back versus Sarah Palin, he was, I mean, go back and watch the debate. Don't take my word for it. Go back and watch Joe Biden versus Sarah Palin, or better yet, Joe Biden versus Paul Ryan. That wasn't even that long ago. I mean, actually, yeah, it is kind of long ago now, in 2012, eight years ago now, but um, he crushed him. He crushed them both, and he was whip smart, agree or disagree with him. He's all there. He's, he's quick-witted. He's, uh, he knows this stuff. And now he's, he's a shell of his former self. And again, I don't want to say that because it seems mean, but it's also accurate. Um, but even given those facts, bro, he's obliterating you. He's obliterating you. I just wish that somebody brought up the court case there. Nobody brought up the, un- the court case on, uh, that ruled that stop and frisk is indeed unconstitutional because you're taking away their protection from unreasonable search and seizure. So, by the way, you know what that means? That means even if it was effective, which it wasn't, but even if it was effective, it's not an option. It's not an option because it's against, it, it violates the Constitution, the supreme law of the land. So, you know, it's just police state nonsense. And this is what we mean when we say Michael Bloomberg is an authoritarian. This is mindset, man. He wants to control everything, micromanage everything. And this is why, you know, he has the position. I don't know, ban big gulps. Big gulps, uh, I, I don't want you to have big sodas. I'm going to ban this. I'm going to ban this. You guys ready? Banned. Like, that's who he is, man. Stop and frisk. I don't know. You're black and young, so I think you're probably a criminal searching you. I'm going to search you. Bro, piss off. Get out of our lives. What are you doing? What are you doing? Go take your billion dollars and buy an island and go hang out with your former buddies that you know when you used to hang out with Jeffrey Epstein. Except, no, don't do that because who knows what young kids you'll have there with you. Okay. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I got a lot more for you. I'm really just getting started here today. Um, When we come back, we're going to go to the story of the night last night, which is not being discussed in mainstream media, but it's the biggest story I've ever seen on a Democratic debate stage. You do not want to miss this. Stay right there. We'll be right back with all that and much more.
am back, bitch. I am back. <clears throat> All right. We move on. We move on. Here we go. All right. Uh, this one is the biggest story of the day. Biggest story of the day, and it's getting the least amount of coverage in corporate media. So this moment that you're about to see uh, from the debate stage last night in Las Vegas, um, this is the biggest story of the night, by far in my opinion. It's not even close. This is, you know, amazing. In a world that made sense, You'd see breaking news banners on all the main networks, and they would be screaming about this from the top of their lungs. But, unfortunately, the world doesn't make sense. So, look at this. They're going to talk about the Democratic Convention, and every single candidate on stage, with the exception of Bernie Sanders, comes out against democracy. Those are the rules. They are 
by definition, undemocratic and authoritarian, but those are the rules. Okay, so hold on now. Wait. Let's digest that for a second. You are, all of you support an undemocratic position. You don't believe in democracy. And all of you, except Bernie, are authoritarian. You think you know better. You think Democratic Party elites behind closed doors should get to override the will of the people. Let's just get it all on the record here, because that's what you believe. I have to say, guys, this is disqualifying for every single one of those candidates on stage, except Bernie, of course. You're done. Nobody should even consider you. You're telling the voters what they do doesn't matter. Why is this not the biggest story in the goddamn country right now? All of the the yelping and the screaming and the moaning that we all saw on corporate media over the past year, two years, three years even, of, oh my God, the Russians are going to sway the election and not going to allow the votes to be counted right, and oh my God, Donald Trump is undermining elections, and oh my God, Facebook, we must regulate Facebook because they're undermining elections. One segment on a debate stage in front of millions of people, all of you say, I don't believe in democracy. I, I believe in authoritarianism. I believe elites should override the will of the people. That's me. That's what I believe. This is the biggest story in the country right now, and it's not being discussed in mainstream media. You want to know why? Because they all don't like Bernie. Bernie's leading. Bernie's almost certainly going to have the most delegates, more than everybody else, when all said and done. And they don't like Bernie, and they want to stop Bernie, so they want to override the will of the people. And then they have the nerve to turn around to you and be like, oh, my God, the Bernie bros are so mean. All I did was say that I don't believe in democracy, and I'm an authoritarian, and I think elites should override the will of the people. That's all I said. And then people sent me a bunch of snake emojis and poop emojis. And you know what? I think the Bernie people need to apologize. No, you need to apologize. You need to apologize. Anybody who has that position needs to apologize because you don't believe in elections, you don't believe in democracy, you don't believe in the will of the people, and you're an elitist authoritarian. Am I being clear? You can whine and scream all you want. The mean Bernie bros. You don't believe in democracy. You don't believe in democracy. You want to override the will of the people. Biggest story in the country by far. By far, and it's not even being discussed in corporate media. You have to come to a show like this to get it. I told you, they cut out this clip from the final version. I wonder why. They want to bury this. And they want, by the way, if a contestant convention comes, they're going to act like, in mainstream media, it's the most normal thing in the world. It's like the old saying, the revolution won't be televised. They're not going to televise it. Listen, you have my word. If it gets to a contested convention, I will be in Milwaukee with a megaphone. And I will come out on this show and I will say, if you're a viewer of this show and you value our future, you better get your ass to Milwaukee. Walk, run, whatever the hell you got to do. Take a plane, take a helicopter. Actually, don't take a helicopter. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. But get there, get there, because we have to fight back against this. We cannot let them steal this from under our nose. We can't let that happen. I want a million angry people in the streets. Now, understand something. I am a true believer in nonviolent, peaceful resistance. I think it's the most moral way to protest, and um, I think it's the most productive way to protest. But see, this is what I'm trying to warn the Democratic establishment, bro. Not everybody is me. Not everybody's me. Not everybody deeply believes in peace. And when you try to steal an election right in front of people's faces, can I guarantee you that everybody who's marching 
on, uh, on Milwaukee during the DNC, can I guarantee you everybody's going to be peaceful? Hell no, I can't. I'm not a wizard. I'm not a magician. I can't guarantee you people won't go overboard. Because people tend to get angry when you override their vote. That's what happens. People tend to get angry when you steal it from right in front of us. People tend to dislike authoritarian power grabs. People don't like that. People don't like elites. And again, the media will not televise this, or they'll televise it and be like, ah, see, these are the bad guys. No, we're the ones fighting for democracy. So they're going to they're gonna try to do it. Bernie has to win on the first ballot, man. I don't want to be in a position where we all have to go to Milwaukee and march on the DNC. I don't want to be in that position. I want to be able to say, okay, he got 50 plus one. We're good money. There's nothing they could do even if they wanted to now, Bernie's the nominee. So listen, let's avoid that ending. Everybody get out there. Everybody get involved. Everybody go vote for Bernie. Get your family to vote for Bernie. Get your friends to vote for Bernie. Text, phone bank, whatever you got to do. Get him over the line up front. But let me tell you something. Whatever tiny shreds of respect that I had for any of the other candidates on stage, gone, gone, gone. And I can only speak for myself here. I did this in 2016. I told you guys, hey, man, you know, I can't tell you what to do. I can only tell you what I plan to do. And my position in the 2016 was election was Bernie Sanders in the primary when they rigged it and took it from him, I made the argument, hey, I'm in a safe swing state. I'm just telling you guys I'm not going to vote for Hillary, and I'm comfortable with that. My vote really doesn't matter here in New York. I'm not going to vote for Hillary. But I added the caveat, you know, if I was in a swing state, I probably would suck it up and vote for Hillary. That's what I said in 2016, because I do believe Hillary wouldn't have pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Hillary wouldn't have pulled out of the Iran deal. Like, certain things she was just objectively better on, even though in many other ways they were totally equivalent, her and Trump. But I'll tell you this. If they steal the election from Bernie, if Bernie gets more votes than any other candidate and they take it from him on the second ballot, I am 100% not voting for whichever Democratic candidate they try to shove down our throats. 100%. And you won't even get any damn caveats out of me this time. There won't be like, oh, if I was in a swing state, I would suck it up and go do it, even though I don't want to do it. You won't get any of that, son. None of it. If you try to do an authoritarian power grab, an undemocratic move, override the will of the people so that you can serve the democratic establishment, the elites and the corporatists, you're going to get Trump is going to win in such a colossal landslide that it's going to be embarrassing. And the Democratic Party will be a pile of ashes, okay? So don't try us. I'm telling you up front. I'm telling you right now. Do not try us. If Bernie Sanders has more votes than anybody else, he's the nominee. We're going to make that be the case. And I'm telling you up front. So I just, you guys need to spread this clip around, the one from the debate. Because everybody needs to know what was casually uttered. It was so nonchalant. Yes. Because let the process play its way out. Well, what a fancy, nice, joyous way of saying something that really means let's steal the election. Get out of here. Get out of here, son. So don't try us.
if you're not talking about this story today, you're not a serious person. You might follow politics, you know, it might be part of what you do, but you're not a serious person. If you think, oh, this is fine, it's fine, everybody shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, it's fine, it's fine. Man, there are some deeply immoral, unethical, and corrupted people, both in the media and other politicians, and it is, it's a scary thing to see. But we will fight back. We will stand up for democracy. We will fight authoritarianism. We will defeat the elites. Nobody's coming to save us, guys. It's on me and you. So let's do what we have to do. All right, next. Amy Klobuchar will be made fun of. Amy Klobuchar tried to talk her way out of not knowing who the president of Mexico is. So we discussed this already, but bottom line is, listen, if you don't know the president of Mexico, that's fine. You're not running for president. But she's running for president, and also it was just like last year that this was in the news a lot because he just won. And he's a really, really interesting and charismatic figure. The guy's populist left, and he won the election, and it's this rising tide of populism, except for once it broke in the right direction, the proper direction. It didn't go right wing, it went left wing. So this was a huge story. If she didn't see it, that means she just doesn't follow the news as closely as she should, being a presidential candidate. So here she is trying to get out of being caught stone dead on this. Watch. Sometimes forget names. 
forget it. You just didn't know it. <laughs> it's like, just totally own it. Don't do the, I don't like it when it's like she's leaving herself a little bit of wiggle room and trying to be weaselly about it. Like, just be like, you know what, man? I didn't know it and I should have known it. Full stop. That's it. That's all you got to do. That's it. Now, again, am I going to hold it against you? Yes, I'm going to hold it against you because you're running for president. And it's not, listen, here's the point. It's not like she didn't know the president of Kazakhstan. That's fine. We don't, like, but Mexico is an is a ally of ours. They're a trade partner of ours. And they freaking border us. And it was just a big story in the news very recently. So for all those reasons, you're running for president. You got to know that. But I would have a hell of a, like, in other words, I wouldn't be covering this story again if she just said, you know what, I didn't know it, I should have known it, now I know it, and I'm studying more and more on it, because you do have to know this stuff to be president, and so I apologize for not knowing it, let's move forward. That's all you had to say. But there's always, like, this weird, politicians do this all the time, where it's like this weird, like, I have to try to save face or spin it a little bit, when the funny thing is, you don't. Just own it. I've been wrong about stuff. Just own it. Just come out and be like, I was wrong. I was wrong. You were right. That's really it. What do you want me to tell you? (laughs) That's it. It's not that hard. But the ego always gets in the way. It's the ego. And by the way, that's the first time, like, I despise Mayor Pete, but that response, I was like, Semi nailed her on that, didn't he? But she goes on to make a good point after that, too, though. She says um, about Pete, like, wait, didn't you just say that we should... Um, categorize the drug cartels as terror groups. So, you know what? Save me the sanctimony on Mexico issues, because on a big Mexico issue, you were dead wrong and comically wrong. So um, she had a point there for sure. But when she says, oh, it's momentary forgetfulness, no, it's not. You just didn't know it. That's obvious. It wasn't like, a oh, Oh, it's right there. Ah, I'm blanking on it. Or if she had done that and then said a previous president of Mexico, okay. But no, she, she was just, uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't know. Don't, oh, I forgot. You didn't forget. And then, by the way, Elizabeth Warren chimes in to defend Klobuchar, and I think she, like, gave away a little too much there because, Loki, I don't think Elizabeth Warren knew either. We know Tom Steyer didn't know because he didn't know. They asked him, and he was like, to Mayor Peach credit, he actually knew. Um, but I don't think Warren knew because we all know what's her weakest area, foreign policy. It's always been. She voted for at least, I think, two of Trump's bloated, disgusting, grotesque criminal military budget. Um, so her weakness is that, and I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't know it either. So, you know, it was a little bit too much of a defense there. But the funny thing is, man, sometimes she's so transparent that it's funny, the um, Amy Klobuchar thing, because she's like, there's 120 members of the Israeli Knesset and, you know, the president of Honduras, Hernandez. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can see the conversation she had with her staffers right in front of our faces right now. The conversation was like, you have to prove that you're actually very knowledgeable. So go out there and drop some other random facts. Here, you could use these. 120 members of the Knesset. Go do it. <laughs> and she's like, oh, good idea. I'll look very competent. <laughs> Oh, it's hilarious, man. It really is. Um, And then the final point is the worst possible response is the other thing she went with, which is, hey, um, you know, when it comes to NAFTA 2.0, I was the first one to sign on to it. Okay, but NAFTA 2.0 is buns. 
like we've spoken about before, it's a giant giveaway to big pharma. Meet the new NAFTA, very similar to the old NAFTA. There are marginal improvements, but for as many improvements as there are, there's an equal number of things that are worse. So that's not, like she thinks that's like, oh, I'll just let everybody know. I'm in favor of the shitty trade deal, and that'll make me look serious. No, it makes you look less serious, and it further verifies the narrative that you're in over your head. Because you're the type of person to not know who the president of Mexico is, and you're also the type of person to sign off on a trade deal that's going to affect thousands and thousands of people. So, no, that's not a good response. The trade deal is terrible, and so is the fact that you didn't know who AMLO is. All right, Amy has felt my wrath, and we shall move on to Bernie Sanders bodying Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete um, does what he does best, which is launches another disingenuous attack. He goes after Bernie here, and Bernie handled him with ease.
well, he's winning and you're losing. He's gotten way more votes, so maybe you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And the reason why he calls your plan a continuation of the status quo is because it's a continuation of the status quo. He's like, oh, the health insurance companies are against me. Wrong. Pete's taken over $100,000 in bribes in the form of campaign contributions from the health insurance industry and the pharmaceutical industry. So spare me your sanctimonious nonsense. You're misleading everybody. And I think on some level he knows he's misleading everybody. And Pete's plan, by the way, you know, the whole, his whole thing is like Medicare for all, who want it? He's trying to fetishize this notion of choice. I'll give you a choice to keep your health care plan. And then outside of that, other people, if they don't want that, if they want the Medicare for all thing, I'll give you that. That's just a public option. And choice in the context of health insurance is a ruse. It's a scam. Because really, he wants to preserve the for-profit, rapacious, mafia middleman that price gouges you and gets in between you and your doctor. That's the choice he wants you to have. I've made this analogy before, but it's like, would you rather have the Irish mafia or the Italian mafia come and, uh, you know, shake you down for money? Which one do you want? I'm, I, I'm pro-choice. I'm giving people a choice. Ooh. It's just a choice. Ooh. It's not a status quo, bro. It's a choice, man. Yeah, it's a choice of terrible options. Why not get rid of the mafia? Get rid of the price gougers. They're unnecessary. They're a leech. They're, they're a parasite on the system. So I think Bernie did a great job responding there, too, because he just brought up the new study that came out. There was a new study that just came out on Medicare for All that he's citing there. Now, the one I like to bring up is the University of Massachusetts Amherst study, uh, which found that over a 10-year period, with Medicare for All, we save $5.1 trillion. That's what happens when you get rid of the price-gouging middleman, Pete. So notice, this is what they do. This is all they have. Let me tell you the price tag. The price tag is like $50 trillion. Okay, well then, the price tag of not doing Medicare for All is $60 trillion. No, I'm sorry. Fifty-five. That'd be a five trillion dollar difference. Fifty-five trillion. So, you know, I I said this earlier. I'm perpetually amazed that they never, nobody ever accurately categorizes and and characterizes Bernie Sanders' beliefs and then attacks his position and explains their own. They always, without fail, smear him relentlessly, lie about his position, and then attack the thing they just made up. Like, this is why, this is one of the many reasons why he has such a strong support base and following, is because he's treated unfairly across the board by the media, by the other candidates. Like, I honestly, I would have respect for people if they said, hey man, here's your policy, I'm going to accurately describe it, and then now I'm going to explain why I disagree with it. I have, I have a genuine disagreement with it, and here, I'm going to go through point by point exactly why I disagree with it. But nobody does that. They're always like, you know, hey, how are you going to pay for it? You know, uh, hey, why do you want to freaking be like Venezuela? <laughs> why are you socialist? Like, it's never, it's never a fair categorization and a genuine disagreement between two peers. It's like, let me lie about you. And then the other thing about the health. Oh, my God. 
Oh, my God. So, guys, get this. Bernie Sanders did release his health records. Not only did he release his health records, he released more than every other candidate. He has three separate notes from doctors. Not a Trumpian note where, like, Trump wrote it, <laughs> and the doctor, you know, he just put a face of a ridiculous doctor to cover that fact. No, he has, in the notes, it says, like, specific things about Bernie's health. It goes into detail. And what does the media do? They turn around and they're like, oh, I can't believe he's not releasing, releasing his health records. He did. He released more than any other candidate. What more do you want? And then Brianna Joy Gray made a great point about this on CNN, and she got a bunch of crap for it, but she's right. She's like, this actually reminds me of the birther scandal. Why? Because Obama was like, okay, here, here's my birth certificate. And they're like, mm, where's your birth certificate? He's like, okay, that was my short form. Here's my long form birth certificate. And they're like, I can't believe he won't release his birth certificate. <laughs> he did. He released it. With Bernie, it's like, it's not one doctor's note. It's not two doctor's notes. It's three doctor's notes with incredible detail in there. And they're like, I can't believe I can't get your exact cholesterol numbers or whatever the hell they're saying. It's like, come on, man. How ridiculous are you? And listen, we should honestly be celebrating because what does it show? Guys, they have nothing on him. That's why they keep going back to the well. Oh, my God, your supporters are mean in my menchies. Look at these Bernie bros. They go to that, and they go to this. Did you know Bernie's old? Oh, he is? Wow, I didn't know that. Wow. You know, you guys really changed my mind. Now I'm totally cool with 45,000 people dying every year because they don't have basic health care. Now I'm cool with 500,000 people being out on the street, being homeless. Now I'm cool with being in seven or eight wars at the same time. Thank you so much for that fact about how his supporters are rude and, uh, you know, he didn't release his health records even though he did. They got nothing. Oh, my God, they got nothing. But you know what? Again, we should celebrate it because... This is what they, they mean when they talk about, like, oh, he hasn't been vetted. <laughs> and then they bring this up every single, every single time. It's the same question. How are you going to pay for Medicare for all? You know, why are you a socialist? Every debate, same question a thousand times over. It's unbelievable. And, you know, you think they would have learned by now. Hey, man, he's still leading by quite a bit, and you guys keep asking the same dumb, dumb questions. If anything, you might be helping him. So thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, Smarmy Mayor Pete, you were just put in your place. And um, I'm going to love it when this dude is finally done because he's annoying as hell. He really is. He's just a, a, a talking point machine Obama wannabe up there. And Bernie easily handled him in that back and forth. Okay, next. We are done with the debate coverage, bitch. Done with the debate coverage, bitch. So Chris Matthews tried to play a game of got ya with Nina Turner, who's, of course, one of Bernie's top surrogates. And she's incredible. I have nothing but positive things to say about Nina Turner. Um, Chris is going to try to equate Bernie's free college bill with Bloomberg's rank corruption. Now, Nina does a fantastic job nipping this criticism in the bud, but this is wild to watch. 
action just flat out. What Senator Sanders is doing, Chris, is building a real grassroots movement, having conversations with people. What Mayor Bloomberg is doing is just spreading. You mean buying people. using money to get votes? He is. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying using money to get three hundred and fifty million dollars worth of ads, his own money? Okay, just to okay. Your definition is buying an election. Using money to get votes. He is using. You know what I'm saying? Well, I know exactly what you know you're saying. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm not going down that road. What I am saying is that he's not building a movement. He's not talking to the people. He's just throwing his money out there. But that's not going to to work. Okay. If I'm in college right now and I had student loans, they got me through college. If somebody came along and said, I'm going to pay up all your student loans and what else? And if you're going to a public university, I'm paying all your tuition. Is that buying votes? We are implementing like a policy in this country that right. says that just in the same way we have K-12 education right. that's publicly funded, right. in the 21st century we need a paradigm shift, pre-K to college. That right. is what we need because people don't have disposable income. They're walking across the stage with a degree in one hand and debt in the other. Okay, Ben Shapiro made this point two nights ago, and I responded to it because it is really – I mean, I really don't think they understand how stupid they look when they say this. Nina Turner did a wonderful job breaking it down there, saying, what are you talking about? We already have free K-12. to Why not do K-16? to That's all we're talking about here. Student loan debt crisis is a crisis. It's holding back an entire generation. Um, but the point from Chris Matthews, like – well, Michael Bloomberg might be buying the election, but Bernie Sanders is buying it too. He wants people to have college for free. Uh, uh, <laughs> Michael Bloomberg gave $300,000 to the DNC and $800,000 to the Democratic Grassroots Victory Fund to get them to change the rules to get his sorry ass on stage. That's what Michael Bloomberg did. Michael Bloomberg is throwing around billions of dollars, carpet bombing the airways with $351 million in misleading ads, by the way, buying the media, at worst being silent about his rise, at best helping him. And he's doing all this so he can become president, get the title, and then protect the status quo, protect the oligarchy, the corporatocracy. That's what he wants. He wants to protect the status quo. He's against the minimum wage increase. He compared free health care to a free pony. What is Bernie Sanders doing? Representing the will of the people. He acts like, oh, being in favor of free college is corruption. It's corruption. It's a position that the overwhelming majority of the American people agree with. That's not corruption. It's called basic social democratic reforms. Was, you know, FDR and LBJ and every Democratic president who ever did anything positive, whether it's the war on poverty or Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid, is that corruption? Is that buying votes? No, I'd argue that some of the few good things our government has ever done and those programs were wildly popular. Same thing with Andrew Yang. Let's say we got his $1,000 a month in place. Chris Matthews probably like, oh, look at that, corruption. That's corruption right there. He's buying the election. No, he's repping a policy position for the American people. See, that's the other thing he doesn't get. Is like, there's a distinction. Who are you representing? Are you representing money, representing moneyed interests and elites? Because that's corruption. Backroom deals that you cut with people and you try to protect the status quo? 
tax cuts for corporations, help out billionaires, so on and so forth? Are you doing that, or are you representing the will of the American people? Bernie Sanders only takes small-dollar donations, so he's representing the people who do the small-dollar donations. He's representing the American people. He's representing big poor, big working family. That's what he's doing. And when you look at his policy proposals, almost all of them are wildly popular. Medicare for all, free college, living wage, end the wars, Green New Deal, so on and so forth. So, but again, he's trying, this is how low they've gone. This is how low they've gone. Trying to equate a billionaire buying his way on stage, attempting to buy the election, buying endorsements, protecting the status quo for special interests and moneyed interests, the rich and corporations, equating that with somebody who's doing the polar opposite. Because that's the main point. Bernie's doing the polar opposite. Bernie is representing the will of the American people and fighting for basic social democratic reforms. That's it. But to Chris Matthews, oh my God, it is corruption to give working people an equal shot at a decent life. That's corruption. It's not corruption to buy our way onto the DNC stage, to the debate stage. It's not corruption to carpet bomb the airways with $351 in misleading ads. It's not corruption to basically buy endorsements. That's not corruption. It's not corruption to protect the status quo for the interest of elites. That's not corruption. What is corruption is representing the will of the people and doing basic social democratic reforms. Credit to Nina Turner there because she nipped it in the bud. She's like, oh, I see where you're going with it, and you're wrong. (laughs) I love that. She's like, yeah, yeah, I see what you're doing. No. (laughs) She's right. We have K-12 for education. Why not do K-16? It's just a basic thing like education should be off the table in a civilized society. That's not too much to ask for. These guys ask like, they act like asking for the most basic things is like, you know, the end of the world. Nobody's asking to nationalize every single industry. Nobody's asking to have everything for free, as they often straw man. We're asking about a living wage and education and health care. That's not too much to ask for. Maybe throw child care in there, too. That's it. Like, they got nothing, man. They got nothing. But hopefully, and I think the voters do, they see through it. Because that's disrespectful. That really is. Like, you're insulting everybody's intelligence. He's literally making a Ben Shapiro argument. Like, oh, it's corrupt to give people what they want, the American people, the population. How dare you do that? Um, But it's business as usual to only represent the moneyed interests, the billionaires and the corporations who fund the campaigns. Okay, next. Joe Biden, he went after Bloomberg not on the debate stage, and it was pretty good, actually. So Bloomberg and Biden are sniping at each other. They've been going at it, and it's glorious. I love seeing it. Basically, I think, I think what Biden and other candidates are now realizing is that you're not, like, not going to take from Bernie Sanders. That's not going to happen. People who support him are not going to flip to you. They're not going to flip to Mayor Pete. They're not going to flip to Amy Klobuchar. They're not going to flip to Warren. So why even go after him? You're only going to piss people off, and it's the front runner. So why not only go after the other centrists and try to coalesce the centrist vote around yourself? 
And so that's why you saw last night in the debate, Bernie got away unscathed yet again, and everybody went after Bloomberg. Because they're, in their mind, they think there are more centrist voters than progressives, so I have to coalesce the centrist vote. So I'm going to attack all the other centrists to try to steal from them. Now, that analysis is wrong. There actually aren't more centrist voters because Bernie's going to hold the Democratic base, bring in two times Obama voters who flip to Trump, and bring new people into the political process. Um, but they've made a calculation, and it's wrong. So, but I love the results because now Bernie and Bloomberg are going at it, son. So Bloomberg released an ad of Biden. And in the ad, Biden is saying nice things about him. Okay, that's funny enough. Well, the Biden team saw that and they were like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't think so, son. Uh, Because even compared to other corporate centrist Democrats, Bloomberg's record is abysmal. So what does Biden do? He goes for the jugular. I'll read this for you. Hello, Internet. I'm spending a lot of money this year, and I'd like to use it to make you think I'm a fan of Barack Obama. I'm not, though. In fact, quite the opposite. For example, I'm hoping you'll ignore that I don't like Obamacare. Or that I think Wall Street reforms were stupid. I even blamed him for racism in America. I was also particularly upset he supported a program to monitor stop and frisk. Furthermore, I'd like you to ignore the climate record. And I refused to endorse Obama in 2008. Pictures of him with Trump are showing up on the screen. Damn, son. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm surprised he didn't throw in a picture at the end of Mike Bloomberg with Jeffrey Epstein. Hey, by the way, Mike Bloomberg's name is in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book. I'm not kidding. And I even, because sometimes... Stories like that sometimes get, like, twisted and exaggerated or whatever, so I looked it up and fact-checked it. No, it's true. His name is in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book. Not good, Mike. Not good. Um, so let's, let's keep it real. Biden's ad team is superb. They went after Mayor Pete viciously. Um, it was a great ad they released on Mayor Pete. This is a great ad on Bloomberg. And like I said... At this late date, they're still underestimating Bernie. Everybody is in, in the race. And um, they also, I think, have made the calculation it's better to go after other centrists because they're trying to get the centrist vote to them. So go ahead, man. All you guys fight amongst yourselves, please. I'm, I'm enjoying this very much. The only criticism there that wasn't good was the, um, the climate one because Bloomberg's argument is Obama didn't do enough on the climate. And I think that's true. Um, the Paris Climate Agreement was good, but it's nowhere near enough. And, you know, you could argue it was Republican obstruction that was probably a bigger issue, and it wasn't Obama's lack of will on that front. There's a decent argument to be made on that particular issue. Um, 
but still, to attack Bloomberg on that, I don't think is that strong. But all the other criticisms there, pretty spot on. See, funny enough, one of the criticisms that's always been levied at Bernie is true of Bloomberg. They always say, oh, my Bernie Sanders, he hasn't been vetted. Wait until the right gets a hold of him. It's a wrap. Like, this is things they've said. But really, it's Bloomberg who is in that boat. Because the more you examine his record, the more of a disaster he is. And he's got things that make him weak across the board. Like, honestly, Donald Trump would obliterate Bloomberg in a way that's embarrassing. He's already doing it. He's already on Twitter roasting him relentlessly about how Mini Mike had the worst debate of anybody ever. He's tweeting videos like Mike Bloomberg with, like, his eyes barely above the podium. (laughs) It's hilarious. He's trolling to perfection. Um, But, yeah, his record is abysmal, man. How many times have we gone over all the things that he's done that are just unforgivable? Whether it be stop and frisk or blocking a minimum wage increase or comparing free health care to a free pony um, or banning big gulps or banning feeding the homeless in New York City, which is something he actually did. This is the kind of guy we're talking about, man. So, man, go ahead, Biden. Go get him. Go get him. Everybody else, get in on that fun. Elizabeth Warren, get in on that fun. Again, the only one who hasn't so far is Mayor Pete. <laughs> which fits right in character with the weasel Mayor Pete. Okay, now we're going to talk about how Bernie got something right. He switched the strategy, and it's working positively wonderfully. So Bernie Sanders appears to be fed up with the old Bernie bro narrative that's disingenuously being used against him in his campaign. Let's see his new reaction to this. campaign you're building, love, compassion, justice, why is it that your campaign is attracting people who are doing something so antithetical to that? Do you know how many supporters we have? A lot. Two and a half million, I think, who are involved in this thing. And no campaign uh, can uh, control two and a half million people. Let me also tell you something. The people on our campaign, often our African-American women leaders, are receiving incredibly abusive and ugly responses. That is the nature of the Internet today. So he said that before the debate, and then during the debate, they took 10 minutes and spent it on the whole Bernie bro thing, and um, his answer was the same. He basically said, like, of course I'm against any kind of abuse, harassment, so on and so forth. Let's be serious, though. Talk to... Brianna Joy Gray, talk to Nina Turner, okay? They are the recipients of the most vicious attacks you can imagine. Racist attacks, sexist attacks, whatever you can imagine. I don't even want to repeat some of the terrible things that have been said to them. And basically what he's saying is, finally, stop pretending like this is a problem unique to my campaign. The reality is Bernie Sanders has way more support than anybody else online, period. You know, there are little pockets of all the other, uh, you know, candidates with support, but his support is way more. And there's, it's not like Bernie people are any worse than anybody else. And Mayor Pete quite explicitly made the argument that no, your, your supporters are uniquely worse than everybody else. Well, hold on now. You're calling his supporters worse than all, all the other camps, but his supporters, that's the democratic base. That's the heart of the party. 
So why do you think Democratic-based voters are uniquely evil, Mayor Pete? Maybe you're in the wrong party. Maybe you're running in the wrong primary. So it's, it's a disingenuous smear attack, man. It's just not true. People get vitriolic attacks from all over the place. You know, maybe Biden's the only one because he doesn't have any supporters online, but everybody else has some degree of support. And I've seen it. I've seen fellow lefties get vicious attacks from Warren people and Kamala people. Like, it exists. Now, am I going to do shows where I come out here and cry about it all day? No, because that's just the nature of the world we live in. But they're really trying. They have nothing on Bernie when it comes to policy. They can't take him down in honest, upfront discussions and debates. So what they do is they just try to pretend like, oh, your supporters are worse than everybody else's. Why are you attracting people who are so mean and wrong and bad? And it's not working. This is not working because Bernie keeps reiterating all the time. He did it during the debate. He's like, this campaign's about issues. Don't get it twisted. Well, we're about is Medicare for all and free college and a living wage and ending the wars and legalizing marijuana and a Green New Deal and so on, all that stuff. That's what we're in favor of. That's what we're fighting for. And it's just, he keeps laser focusing on the things that matter, and it makes every, all the other stuff look like the goofy noise that it is. And I have to say, man, I'm very happy with this development because, guys, he wasn't doing this for a hot minute. For a while, when he was asked about the Bernie bro thing, he would be like, I totally disown and disavow anybody who does that. We don't want them as part of our campaign. And then he would stop. And, you know, my argument was always, that's not a good reaction because it, it buys into the premise, the premise being your supporters are uniquely bad. And I was never okay with that because his supporters are not uniquely bad. That's a ridiculous notion. So for him to just apologize and say, oh, we don't want anything to do with them, that's not enough. Really what you're doing when you respond the way he used to respond is you're verifying the narrative. You know, It's like if Bernie were to do a press release that says, not only did I not beat my wife, I think beating your wife is wrong and nobody should beat your wife. Everybody would see that and be like, whoa, 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 why are you saying that? Were you beating your wife? Is there something going on here with wife beating? That would be people's reaction. So you can't, you don't verify the smear. You don't breathe air into the smear. You totally change the dynamic and change the conversation and correct the record. And finally, he's doing that. You know what? I think they realized that when they didn't stop getting that question, I think there was a strategy change behind the scenes at the Bernie campaign. And they realized, like, oh, not every criticism is genuine. Not every criticism is legit. These are disingenuous, bad actors trying to use something to take down Bernie. So don't play their game. And now he's not playing their game, and the results are going to be wonderful. Um, so credit to them for changing the strategy and learning on the ground I don't want to see any apologetic nonsense. Um, there's, a, there's a story that came out the other day where Trump told Rush Limbaugh when he was getting heat for on, a, on going after Pete because Pete is gay. Trump says, never apologize. You don't apologize for anything. I've now learned this lesson being in politics as long as I have been in politics. Um, you only feed into it if you apologize. Now, we, already, we all kind of knew that was Trump's strategy, but he's, he's right. Like, you don't, you don't gain any points. Nobody's like, oh, he apologized. Wonderful. <laughs> Nobody does that. They're going to keep saying the same thing. So why don't you make your own case? Now, in the case of the Republicans, they say a lot of things that are genuinely horrendous. So for them to not apologize just shows that a lot, a lot of the 
establishment Republicans are just bad people. But for the Democrats, for Bernie, he didn't do anything wrong. And his supporters have nothing to apologize for. So take a stand and make your own case because they're not going to make it for you. The media is not going to make it for you. The other candidates aren't going to make it for you. So it's a strategy change, and it's a good one. Okay. Elizabeth Warren continued to shove a knife into Bernard's back. So Elizabeth Warren um, decided to jump in on the smear campaign against Bernie and his supporters, and she concerned trolled about you know, the Bernie bros online. Watch. Do you feel, and you're, you're someone who's actually come under that attack before, back in Iowa, back in January, do you feel like he's done enough to condemn the culture online that stems from his movement? I said before that we are all responsible for what our supporters do. And I think Bernie has a lot of questions to answer here. Bernie has a lot of questions to answer here. Oh, does he? This isn't helping you, Elizabeth Warren. This isn't helping you. You're stabbing your friend in the back, and it's not helping you. Why would you do it? Bernie Sanders has apologized and basically disowned and disavowed anybody who's part of his campaign that does messed up stuff. But as is always the case, man, we learn after the fact that this is a total hit job. One of the people, the culinary union in Vegas tried to blame a Bernie supporter for doxing one of their members. Come to find out it wasn't even a Bernie supporter that doxed him. So that's not like the idea that, oh my God, Bernie supporters are violent and vicious and mean. As Meghan McCain recently said, they're violent. What are you talking about? None of that is true. They're all the leadership of the union is trying to take down Bernie because the leadership of the union doesn't want Medicare for all. The workers do. And so they released a letter of support for Bernie after the union bosses went after him. But this is what's happening. People are weaponizing things, trying to take down Bernie. And this, it's so weak. They have nothing on the guy. So what they go to is, oh, my God, the supporters. Oh, my God, the Bernie bros. Oh, my God, they're so rude online. They're so mean online. They really think it's like the end of the world. I've seen so many stories on this, especially in corporate media, all these articles. But, oh, my God, they're so mean. And it's like, Bro, welcome to the internet. I don't even read my mentions because it's oh, it's always a, a shit show, man. People are always viciously going after you and saying things that are not true. And, like, that's what happens. It's not unique to any one individual candidate. For so long, these politicians and corporate media people have gotten away with controlling the narrative, saying whatever they want, and seeing zero feedback. Well, now we got feedback. Now it's more of a democratic Um, national conversation. That's what it is. And people go, hey, man, that's wrong. Hey, man, this is incorrect. Hey, man, you're dumb. And now these people think it's like, you know, they're being oppressed. Well, no, this is called accountability. So if anything, I think the trolling that the Bernie people do is usually more reasonable than the trolling other, uh, you know, candidates, supporters do. And for, for uh, Elizabeth Warren, a concern troll here, man, it's just so sad to see. She's the one who did the fake, oh, my God, Bernie's a sexist attack, and then, 
you know, played the victim when people were tweeting snake emojis at her. Like, no, maybe if you didn't stab your friend in the back and make up a story about him or mischaracterize what he said, maybe they wouldn't tweet it at you. How about that? You ever thought of that? (laughs) But no, you can never take responsibility for yourself. Um, And again, in the case of Bernie, even though he has nothing to apologize for, he has, and he's said, hey, don't do these things. I'm in favor of civil discourse and dialogue and... But now, finally, Bernie learned his lesson, and he changed the dynamic. He changed the conversation, as we just spoke about in the last segment. He finally is saying, like, actually, talk to Nina Turner. Talk to Brianna Joy Gray about, you know, what, what it's like to be abused online, harassed online. And it's not unique to any one campaign. Let's stop being silly here. And by the way, Elizabeth Warren, you know, listen, I'm not a hack, so I don't want to be like, why don't you apologize for this, Elizabeth Warren? But she very famously has, like, a top surrogate, a trans woman, who, you know, has said very questionable things, and she hasn't commented on that. And she's still working as a surrogate for her. Now, listen, I don't, like I said, I'm not a hack. I'm not going to play the got you game and be like, see, you're the one who needs to apologize. But what I am going to say is www.shuddy.com in terms of going after other people and saying your supporters are mean. You got it too, bro. Your f- her campaign manager came after me and uh, called me a sexist. And Cory Booker did too on behalf of Warren. Called me a sexist because I dared to make fun of her dancing. Even though I've made fun of Mayor Pete's dancing. Even though I've made fun of every candidate. Even though I hold, no, no holds barred you know, on every candidate. But no, I must be a sexist because she's a woman and I was making fun of her. So therefore, I must be making fun of her because she's a woman. This is like... It's online! It's what happens! It's so stupid that we're even having this conversation. But thank you for feeding into the moral panic and the smear campaign. And unfortunately, I think Bernie's got, you know, an even bigger heart and open arms. And I think that when he wins, it could be Elizabeth Warren, Treasury Secretary or VP. But I'm so annoyed at this point that I don't want her in the administration. Like, that's how much she's, that's how thoroughly she's burned that bridge and played dirty politics. Like, I'm not interested in it, because now I don't even know what you stand for and what you believe in, if you try to kneecap the person who's going to bring real change into this country. So I'm over it, and um, she went down the wrong path, and you hate to see it. All right, final story of the day, y'all. Billionaire investor Leon Cooperman came out of his ivory tower to cast judgment and dispersions on Bernie Sanders. This is what a softball interview looks like. This did not go well. I look at Bernie Sanders as a bigger threat than the coronavirus. How's that? I want to make it very clear. I'm not a big long... I'm not a big long-term optimist. I just think things are out there very troubling to me. Right. You know, I think, uh, you know, number one is Bernie Sanders. If you listen to his proposals, it's only a $6 trillion annual deficit. I think also he's misrepresenting himself. He is not a socialist, but he's rather a communist. And there's a difference between a socialist and a communist.
somehow these billionaires have all the money in the world and they still have not figured out how to use Google and find out the difference between social democracy and communism. Anything even slightly less of center and you're a communist to the billionaires. It's almost like they're being hyperbolic because they want to protect their wealth and power. Almost. It's almost like that. Listen, this stuff is embarrassing, man. I don't know what to tell you. He said he fears Bernie more than the coronavirus. Well, you know what? We are going to raise your taxes. That's for damn sure. Now, what's funny enough is that, like, under Bernie's tax plan, Bernie has tweeted before billionaires shouldn't exist. He's tweeted that. But his actual tax plan still allows for billionaires to exist. Now, I don't know how much money Leon Cooperman has, but he would still be a billionaire if Bernie's elected. He'd pay a much higher tax bill, but he'd still be a billionaire. And his response is, Bernie's worse than the coronavirus. Capital concedes nothing. These are the same people who accused Obama a, a neoliberal corporate centrist of being a Marxist. So if they're going to whine and cry and bitch and moan no matter what, well, then you know what? Just do the right thing. Be a candidate who's going to fiercely, ferociously stand up for the working class, unrig the system, actually give everybody an equal playing field, you might as well, because they're going to call you a communist no matter what you do. If they called Obama a communist, they're going to call anybody who's a Democrat who runs for president a communist, except, by the way, Mike Bloomberg, who this guy endorsed. But these, they, like, that, this is the target audience for Bloomberg. He has no real support. He bought everything. But, you know, these are the people who really want Bloomberg elected, because Bloomberg is the definition of a neoliberal technocrat status quo manager. And I've actually, I think that the best description of Bloomberg is authoritarian elitist because he's authoritarian on social issues, wants to control and micromanage your personal life. And then on economic issues, he's an elitist. He thinks that there's this rigid hierarchy and a meritocracy. And the reason why him and all these other billionaires are billionaires is because they're super geniuses and they just work that much harder and they're just that much better and more moral than everybody else. And so they should call the shots. They should make the decisions. And so, but look at the contempt they have for somebody who represents the working class. He compares Bernie. He says Bernie's worse than the coronavirus. Seriously, stop and think about that. Worse than the coronavirus. It's killed thousands of people, and it will probably kill thousands more before it's done. And Bernie's worse than that. Again, this all goes, they will equate a guy like Bernie to Mao, to Stalin. They'll say, oh, you're responsible for the body count. Okay, so are all the deaths that, ha- that all the people killed by the U.S., do we blame, can we blame capitalism for that? And he's not even a communist. For, How many times has, has, does he have to say it? Freaking Denmark. Denmark is the model. They're doing wonderfully. They're kicking our ass in a thousand different ways. Cooperman goes on to talk about the market and how the market would react. And he acts like right now the market's doing fantastically well. This is a billionaire. And he doesn't know we're in a goddamn bubble. He's a billionaire and he doesn't know we're in a bubble. How is that possible? How could you, how could you be that dumb? How could anybody be that dumb? Guys, behind the scenes, they're doing the same tricks they had to do during the subprime mortgage crisis in the Great Recession. The, the federal government is buying up bad mortgages right now, behind the scenes. They're doing quantitative easing, billions of dollars every year, every uh, quarter, I should say, or month. So 
they're barely holding this thing together, man. They got freaking duct tape and bubble gum. And they're staving off a giant crash, crash, which is coming. And this guy's out there like, oh, the market's great. It's doing wonderful. And it'll only be bad if Bernie gets elected. Well, the market is not a reflection of how your average person is doing. The market is a reflection of how the rich are doing and how corporations are doing. And, um, but that's all that matters to this guy. That's the point. He talks about the market, too, like it's a god. Like, we must appease the market. Yeah, have we done a human sacrifice recently? We must do a human sacrifice to appease the marketplace, yay. And um, just what a hollow, vapid life. Seriously, what a hollow, vapid life. He thinks uh, the poors, the working people, need to fall in line, need to know their role, need to take orders. And the one candidate who wants to empower them, give them more respect and dignity, a living wage, a decent life, that guy's worse than the coronavirus. I can't tell you how many mask-off moments we've now seen in this election, but this one is definitely up there. Okay. And on that note, y'all, we are done for the day. I hope you like my debate breakdown. I was up late for all you people. I was up until like 4 o'clock in the morning prepping this wonderful debate breakdown. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. 